I think many of us can be very fixed on here is what the final end product should look like. But in these sort of projects, you need to allow yourself a bit of self-doubt and make sure that you bring everyone on board and that you have whomever that you are featuring, that that community feels that they have had their voice heard. Hello and a very warm welcome to this, our second series of transformation stories from the award-winning Valtec Cafe. Last year, we spoke to more than 25 global brands and industry experts about their experiences of digital transformation. And this series is no different. From airlines to retailers, manufacturers to healthcare companies, this is a podcast series that strips away the digital buzzwords and challenges what we all thought we knew about our industry. Covering topics from the circular economy to customer experience, emerging tech to composable architectures, we're removing the filters and getting to the bottom of what's really going on in digital today. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. How do you balance the power of influence with the risk of change? That was the decision faced by Procter & Gamble hair care brand Pantene. With a marketing heritage made up of bouncy blow dries and perfect smiles, they began to recognize that they were no longer connecting with the audience that had once been a given. In today's discussion, we'll talk about the moment they decided to change their approach, the research that helped them to support their decision, and the results that came from putting the power of hair in the spotlight. I'm delighted, as ever, to be joined by Helen Grafner, Brand and Communications Director for Hair Care Europe at Procter & Gamble, and Bernadette Hudson, Account Director at Valtec Redon, to hear more. So, Helen, Bernadette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Right, let's get started with some introductions then. And Helen, I'm going to come to you first. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you and your role at Procter & Gamble. Sure. So I've always been very passionate about beauty. I've spent the past 20 years in the industry. And the past 15 years, I've been working for Procter & Gamble. I currently am the communications director for Hair Care in Europe. So anything you need in terms of shampoo or styling to transform your hair, I am the go-to person. <laughs> A good plug. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thank you and welcome. And Bernadette, how about you? Hi, I'm Bernadette. I'm an account director at Valtech Radon. I have been working in agencies for the past 10 years with a strong focus on FMCG. So it felt very natural to work with Procter & Gamble when we started working together, actually. Amazing. And I can preempt the listeners by saying that this is a really great story. So I'm very excited to, to get into the guts of it for sure. Helen, I mentioned there in the introduction, the idea of Pantene's existing brand and these images and the footage of beautiful flowing hair, which I'm sure everyone listening will be able to picture and, and remember and be able to recall quite easily. Can you tell us a bit more about the brand history of Pantene and the trigger point that led you to change the brand direction altogether? Yes, absolutely. So Pantene is an absolutely beautiful brand. It is actually the number one brand globally. So used by millions and millions of people every day. It has its origins in the 1940s with a discovery in Switzerland, actually, where I'm currently sitting today, of the power of Pantanal to 
repair and to heal. So that was kind of a first discovery in, in the early 1940s. The Pantene brand was uh, was launched with a promise of transforming hair, repairing hair, as you mentioned, getting those amazing, luscious, big, voluminous, beautiful, smooth hair. And I think ever since then, you know, we have been uh, continuing our our best to transform hair to make everyone experience the power of great hair. What that means, I think. You know, there are people that wake up every day and they can be quite happy with how the hair look, but a very large part wake up feeling that, okay, I, I want something different. I want more. I, I want something else for, for my hair. And our mission is to help people achieve their, their hair dream. And we've been working for that ever since, you know, the early 1940s on helping people achieve that hair dream. I think coming on to what you were asking on, on trigger points, a couple of years back, we were, you know, doing a bit of research into a new campaign because whilst we've always been about, okay, how can we transform hair? How can we provide, you know, the best products so that people really, really can get the most out of the hair they have and really get the hair they want? Is there a deeper meaning behind this? And what currently stands in the way of people getting the hair they want? So we partner with Yale University with Dr. Marianne LaFrance. We partner with Dr. Adam Galinsky from Columbia Business School to dig a bit deeper, to go a bit more into you know, the psychological benefits of hair, the, the meaning of you and meaning of your hair to your identity. And what we discovered was a couple of very interesting points. So I have personally been working in hair care for, I said, for 15 years. So I always knew that hair is very important to, to your, your appearance. And it's a big part of what you spend time on in the morning, what you spend your you know, beauty routine on. But even I was really quite astonished by the discovery that across the world, it doesn't really matter which country you, you do the checking because we ran this study across you know, multiple continents in many, many markets, many of them in Europe. And the findings were actually very similar, that hair actually is kind of almost a number one thing when it comes to your self-esteem, how you express yourself, the identity you want to portray to others, the self-confidence that you, you get. So literally, when you have a good hair day or even a great hair day, People get an extra skip, you know, in their step. They, they feel extra joy. We even discovered through the research we were doing with, uh, with Dr. Galinsky and, and Dr. LaFrance that when you have a great hair day, you even interact, you know, better in social, uh, in social kind of uh, settings. You can perform better in, in tests. So really it unlocks a lot, a lot of things. You have many people saying, okay, well, it's just hair. Come on, I mean, how important can it be? But really, really, for a large part of the population, it is, it is key to your self-expression, to your self-esteem, and it can really help you feel good about your, yourself. So this was, of course, very, very encouraging. But what we also discovered was that today... Many people feel that they don't have a great hair day every day. Actually, less than one in 10 say that every day 
I feeling great about my hair. So, you know, as the number one hair care brand, on the one hand, you can, you know, if you look at the glass, okay, your glass is half full. Wow, hair means a lot. So obviously we have a lot of power to help people. We There are a lot of things we can do to enable them to have this amazing feeling, to have this amazing ability to enable them to express themselves. But on the other hand, okay, it's, if you look at it half empty, it seems a it's quite a long way to go still. And whilst since 1945, we've obviously been focusing a lot on delivering and innovating to have the best products that can help people to, to get the hair they want. Clearly, there is other potential barriers that stands in the way of having a great hair day every day. So we also did research into understanding that part because of course we are, you know, we are a brand that is rooted in science. Our Pro-V blend, legendary Pro-V blend is still here. It's, you know, always going to be here. And we always aspire to continue to produce and deliver products that are, you know, the best the consumer can possibly get and that helping everyone get the right product for them because all hair is different, all hair is unique. And actually, there's a large variety in terms of the different products you should use depending on what hair you have, what hair type you have, and the hair that you want. But that is only one part of the job. The other thing we discovered was that from a society point of view, there's actually a lot of kind of bias and stereotypes. There's a lot of negativity in society around hair. You know, I can name a couple of examples, but a man, a gorgeous man like George Clooney going gray. He is seen as, you know, a sexy, smart, wise silver fox. Whereas when, you know, when women tend to start to get gray hair, they start to get comments that, okay, you know, you start to look old. Actually, you should probably dye your hair. Don't you want to cover up your grays? Why is there a difference in society between you know, acceptance that men can go gray and women can't. This was one example. Another example is, okay, you know, you can't see me, but I have blonde hair. There have been many situations where people assume, okay, I'm, I'm blonde, so, you know, I'm, I'm, am I more stupid? I had one moment in my career where I actually dyed my hair. I, I dyed my hair quite a lot, so I've had a lot of different hair colors. But in my professional career, I've been mainly, mainly blind. But during one moment, I actually dyed it almost black, very dark. And one of the first comments I got from people at work was, oh, wow, you're really serious. Now you're looking to get your promotion. So somehow there is still this ingrained thing that, okay, blonde, blondes, we might have more fun, but we're also more stupid. There are people that have curly hair. and People say that, okay, you have curly hair. You know, you are cursed or, you know, it looks unprofessional. You have men that want to wear their hair long and people are asking them, well, you know, why are you wearing your hair long? You, you are a guy, you know, that's just looks strange. And vice versa, women that wear their hair short might get comments that, okay, why are you wearing your hair short? You know, as a woman, you should have long, luscious, kind of full, full hair. So there is a lot of negativity, a lot of stereotypes, a lot of bias in society around what hair should be, what hair should look like and how we should wear it. So what we did with our kind of this trigger point this kind of outcome of this study we wanted to set a new mission which is if we want everyone to achieve a great hair day 
no matter you know your hair color, no matter your gender identity, no matter your sexual orientation, no matter your age, uh, your ethnicity, your your background, we need to say that you know all of you. We want you to. We want to help you achieve the hair you want. It's going to be both through the products that we're going to continue to serve you with and continue to develop, but it also needs to be through the actions, the beauty ideals we portray. So. The people that we work with, you know, the visual beauty diet. It's also through the actions, the kind of stories we tell, and also through the partnerships that we create and how we create the content. And that's of course where you know the partnership with uh, Ray Don also came in, where we started to say, how can we as a brand start to shift culture into being more positive and inclusive? And we are the number one brand globally. We obviously have a huge responsibility in the visuals we put out there and the messages we put out there. But it also means that we have possibilities to to help shape culture, and we can help transform culture to be more positive, to be more inclusive, and to be more accepting. So that no matter what hair you have, what hair you want, we we will help you. Get the hair you want, and then we're going to help you make sure that you feel that you can wear that, and that society accepts you for wearing the hair the way you want. That's a very long answer. I realize I can continue for a long time. But... No, it's a great, it's a really great answer because you gave so much background and so much context to how we've got to the place that we are now. So a really fantastic introduction, and just to hinge on something else that you said there was you have as a, as a brand such a huge place in the market and if you aren't representing and if you aren't taking this change or making this change in in the messaging in the way that you uh, appeal to to the community then who else will and I think that was a, a really interesting point that you made in in the prep call for this you have a responsibility and it's great to see that that something's happening and Benedette I'm going to come to you here because we have this situation of a huge and globally recognized brand that has made the decision to take a new and very brave direction to better connect with their audience. How did you approach that challenge of bringing that authenticity to a brand with such a recognizable marketing heritage? Taking on this challenge was a multi-step process because it is huge. It is complex. There are lots of contingencies and you want it to feel authentic, which can be kind of a played out word in this industry, but you want it to feel real and you want people to be able to see themselves in the communication. And that was really important for us and for Pantene. The first part was really the transition between push and pull communication. Pantene has been a a big push communicator talking about new product launches, new things like that. But this is pull communication. It's not affiliated with any specific product launch. So that meant that Helen and I actually did a lot of teamwork to meet with teams and discuss that we understood the why behind the creative actions and creative choices that we were making, the why behind how we were going to approach this, because ultimately 
this was a different way of communicating. This was a different way of approaching and evaluating a creative concept. So I think like that was a huge part of the teamwork and a big part of the journey was just getting that foundation set. Once that foundation was set, then we had the challenge of like creating emotive content and an emotive idea that was authentic to not only the people in the LGBTQ plus community, because this project was focused on the trans community, which is complex within itself, but also applicable to all, to everyone, because everyone has a hair story, just like Helen was saying. And we wanted to make sure that it didn't feel like pink washing and we weren't pink washing people's experiences. So that meant that we were speaking with people within those communities, within the LGBTQ plus communities. It meant bringing on experts to review the creative with us. So we partnered with Kristen Rankin from the Dress Code Project, who's a hairstylist out of Canada. And she walked with us when it came to developing the creative, evaluating our creative ideas, looking at edits. So that way we had another voice in there with us. It also meant that we were looking at having a diverse group of people working on the project creatively. This meant that directors, stylists, editors, talent scouts, we also needed to draw from a diverse pool of people because everybody has their own experience. And I'm being honest, I am a cisgendered heterosexual female. I don't have the same life experiences. I can be an ally and I am an ally, but I don't, I haven't experienced the same things. So I rely on the experience of others. And I think that's where things have gone really, I guess, right. And I think that can be a huge misstep because it's so important to gather as many different perspectives to try to see if there's any pitfalls in this. Then lastly was the execution. And I mean, This is a huge part, but it meant having an activation plan that was dynamic. We had events in the different countries that activated, like gender-free haircut clubs with Kristen Rankin, where we were giving away free haircuts so people who are part of the LGBTQ plus communities were able to get the hair that they always wanted and can look in the mirror and say, that's me and I feel great. Pantene did a great job finding local organizations to support various different causes within the LGBTQ community. So it was identified that within the trans community, finding jobs is very difficult because there is a judgment based upon appearance when you go in for a job interview, for example. So partnering with different organizations to make that happen, it's as basic as making sure that we have a clear community management plan so that we were protecting the integrity of stories that are being shared. We knew going into it that some people would not be happy about what we were saying and bringing and sharing stories about the trans communities because it is politicized in many countries. But 
by making sure that we were there, that we weren't going to take down things just because people were reacting negative, that we made sure that we, if people were trolling, we were protecting the comment areas from, because people do say very nasty things. And all of those aspects kind of like brought the authenticity because I think, and I know this because the people who have participated in the campaigns have written to us that they appreciate the work that's being done, that they feel protected in this relationship. And I think speaking on behalf of myself and Helen, I think that's the most important thing that we have is that people walk away from being a part and sharing stories, feeling that we listened and that we're sharing them authentically and beautifully and portraying them the way that they want to be portrayed. Um, because that's what is the ultimate success. And people do see that. And we see that in the results of the campaign as well. Of course, once you've done all of the creative aspects, then it is about setting the campaign live and the execution. And I mean, what has been great is having dynamic activation plans where we had events in different countries like gender-free haircut clubs where haircuts were given for free to members of the LGBTQ plus communities with Kristen Rankin. And that was beautiful because we were able to live out kind of the brand purpose, which was seeing hair transform people and letting people feel the real power of hair. They were able to sit in the salon chair and get the haircut that they want and look in the mirror and say, hey, I feel beautiful, I feel empowered today, which might not be the case every day or specifically in the trans community. That is one of the key points where they actually feel like they're making their transition, which is beautiful. Also, Pantene did an amazing job finding local organizations and supporting them that bring like a true mission to life. So for the trans community, it was identified that finding jobs is an issue because jobs often rely on interviews, which are appearance-based and people pass judgment on appearance And trans appearance tends to be heavily judged. And we were able to find organizations that can provide job, job training. And that meant that there was tangible action being done to change not only a conversation about hair, but about the actual treatment of trans in those local markets. But then it was also just as basic or as kind of fundamental as making sure that we had a clear community management plan, that we had a clear plan for when we set things live and protecting the integrity of the stories that we shared. We knew going into this work that people might not be very happy about what we were saying or who we were showcasing because LGBTQ plus and especially at the time, the trans community was a very political topic. And being able to ensure that we were posting stories and we were monitoring the comments and 
engaging with comments, applauding people who were sharing stories. We were having conversations with people who would fight back because there are moments where we can change people's minds. And then also, frankly, blocking out trolls or people who are being completely derogatory. Having that approach and making sure that everybody who participated in this campaign felt protected and felt that Pantene and Procter and Gamble was on their side and was willing to share their story and share their truth with integrity was so, so critical. And I think that's in some of the ways that you can bring this authenticity to life. Because being authentic also means that the people that work on these projects are authentically in it, not just the content. And I think like the biggest success in these projects has been the people participating, writing, both Helen and I saying that they love these films, they feel beautiful in these films, they feel seen in these films, they feel like their, their story is being told in the way that they wanted it to be told. And that's being authentic and that's being true because we are the catalyst for that and that feels amazing. That's the beauty of this because that's the sign of success for me at least. I can only echo that. I think at the end of the day, we want to tell uplifting, empowering stories that celebrate the power of hair. And we want to do that in a way that is authentic, that people, when they look at it, they it brings them you know, a smile to their face. Yes, some of the work will also be a bit thought-provoking, might you know, have you question some of your own bias that you might have or your prejudice or maybe stereotypes you were considering before. So we do want people to, when they watch this, that they feel that they also want to take action to help support. But likewise, we also want people to look at it and at the end, you know, have a smile on their face and say, you know, yeah, this is, this brings, you know, some warmth to my heart as well. And particularly for the people that are featured in the material and the content, we want them to feel that this represents them. This is, it's true to them. They feel proud of being part of it. and that we are, you know, genuine and, and standing behind them. And as Bernadette says, it's not just about the stories we tell, but it's also with the acts that comes together with that. So the associations we work with, you know, the donations we are making to also help support you know, education, jobs, and safer spaces for the broader LGBTQ plus community, as well as part of, of this, in particular for this campaign. I think the thing that we kind of glaze over when we do these types of big, bold, brave brand <laughs> executions that are daring, that we are taking on subject matters that maybe aren't inherently part of the brand or haven't been. And especially in the case of Pantene, where some could argue, like Pantene has shown glossy hair images, usually with beautiful models. There is a, as Helen says, there has been a, the beauty diet of Pantene has been under review and it is changing. I think it's normal and like to be uncomfortable. And I think to tackle that uncomfortableness, because you are having conversations that you probably have never had before. And that's good. I think sometimes when we approach the challenge we don't always think about how it calls into question 
the things that we put in. And it's just as much for the brand, but also for the agency. How do we cast? How do we style? What are the biases that we have? What type of directors or DOPs or sound technicians are we using? I think these types of projects challenge everyone. And I think that is <laughs> approaching that with an open mind and an open heart and complete transparency. I think the th one of the things I've most deeply appreciated about this partnership between myself and Helen is that we have a very open dialogue and it's okay not to always phrase things exactly the right way because we are also learning in this process um, and that's good. That's that's what we we want to do. So to be able to make mistakes in front of each other and sometimes it can be a variety of things. It could be misgendering. It can be all types of not using exactly the right language, but we're also here to learn and we're we're learning as brands and as companies as well. And that's also why it's so important to surround yourself as well with with experts and to reach out to this is an example for the campaign of, of hair has a gender, but it, it's the same principle no matter what kind of cultural topic that you are highlighting or the story you're telling. Reaching out to whether it is a colleague that belongs to that community, you know, an organization, experts. And as Bernard's saying, really being open to hearing what they are saying, uh, be open to feedback, not assuming that what you have been trained on, you know, previously in you know, marketing school, like okay, here is a great product ad, here is what it should look like, here is, you know, from the neuroscience point of view, here are the things that you know usually resonate. I think many of us can be very fixed on here is what the final end product should look like. But in these sort of projects, you need to allow yourself a bit of self-doubt and make sure that you bring everyone on board and that you have you know, whomever that you are featuring, that that community feels that they have had their voice heard um, because it can be small things. It can be things such as maybe there is a word that is not the right word or there could be a visual representation that is, that is not accurate and things that you might think, okay, this is, you know, this sounds good to me. And then you simply don't know that, you know, for the person that is watching it that belongs to the community is actually not the right, the right word, for instance, or the right visual to use. So really enable yourself the time and the open mind to, to listen to others, to invite them in, to be co-creators and collaborators on the, on the project. And as Bernard said, I think from an agency client relationship point of view, I think historically with kind of traditional projects, it is sometimes very clear what is the role of an agency, what's the role of the client. And it's kind of safe, not safeguarded, but it's, it's really defined what are the roles and responsibilities of each. I think in these sort of projects, you need to make it more fluid. You need to allow yourself to have more flexibility in the things you that you can influence both from an agency side and from a client side that you're kind of co-creating it together. And it's so important, I think, to, to have that openness and transparency between us, which I really appreciated working with Bernadette. 
This is such a powerful story. And from all of the detail that you've given us, there's a huge amount of, of context and detail that's gone into this from, from both of you. So thank you for that. But I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about the results of the campaign and the results of all of this work, because ultimately you are a brand and you are looking to you know sell product. So could you tell us more about the impact that this campaign had what was the response from the audience and maybe your learnings from this, Helen? So if I go back to the starting point of when we started to do the research, the reason why we, we did that beyond just, you know, evolving the brand, you know, thinking about what are the new strategies, what should be the new direction for the brand. One thing we really wanted to do, which you also highlighted in your opening was we want to drive more engagement with the audience we want people to feel that Pantene is a brand that they want to engage with, that stands for values that they can identify themselves with. Because we know in, in more and more in today's society, people, they don't just buy a brand because of their product. They also buy a brand because of their values and what they stand for and you know the stories they're telling. So we really wanted to make sure that we drive more engagement with, with our brand and that people feel that it's a brand that they can resonate with. When it comes to the results of the campaign and then kind of linking that back to the engagement, I think in particular in the case of Hair Has No Gender, as Brenda had said, this was the first campaign in hair care where we featured transgender and gender non-conforming people. There were, of course, some nervousness before of, okay, how is this going to be, be perceived? I think we were all positively overwhelmed by the fantastic response that we got from the campaign. And when I say fantastic response, this is not just a response from transgender, gender non-conforming community or broader LGBTQ plus community. No, this is the kind of total population because when we launched this this uh, this chapter in this campaign that was a part of our power of hair stories we didn't just kind of do a media strategy buying against lgbtq plus of course we bought media against the total population and i think the reason why it's working so well is that yes in the films we are featuring as i said transgender gender non-conforming people but the insight the power of hair to express your identity the power of your hair, how you feel about yourself, about your self-esteem, that is a human truth. It's a universal insight that resonates with everyone. So it's powerful storytelling that at the heart of the story is something everyone can relate to. So versus our previous, I would say, traditional product advertising, with these sort of campaigns, we have seen higher engagement, so more willingness to want to stay and watch, more willingness to share, more willingness to comment, uh, in particular, of course, with, with social media, with the possibility to interact and to comment uh, and these things. We've seen a tremendous kind of positive response. And that was across kind of total population that we, that we saw this. As Bernard says, when, when you do tap into culture topics, Yes, of course, you are also going to get some kind of tension points or in, in some negative reactions. And if you don't, you must almost ask yourself if you're pushing the envelope enough. 
Because if you if you're not getting any, what's the best way to phrase it? Negative response or these things. It probably means that you haven't gone far enough. You're not digging deep enough into you know the, the fundamentals of, of the stereotypes themselves. So, and as Brendan had said, what was incredibly important for us was that even if we get negative comments, we want to be able to look at this work and be very proud. We want the LGBTQ plus community to look at the work and say that yes, this accurately reflects us, and we are incredibly proud and we stand behind this work. And that's what we saw. We we had a tremendous support from, from the whole community, from the organizations. And wherever we did get negative comments or, you know, feedback, it was, as Bernard said, it was all about having a kind of social media monitoring and management in place to make sure that was done in, in a, you know, an appropriate way. To sum it up, incredibly, incredibly overwhelming response. And of course, we've continued since then. We've done a second wave of the campaign, which was equally well-received. I think it also shows that it's not just about doing something one-off, but to show your continued commitment to the cause, your continued commitment to the community and to those organizations that you are partnering with. So we have kept on, for instance, we have now several years partnership with the Dress Code Project that is a global partnership. In our markets, we have now had a multi-year organizational project as well with those associations where we are, you know, we're not only giving them visibility, we're also donating money, we're donating resources to really also help make sure that what we're doing is not just about telling stories, it's really about moving from storytelling to story living. Needless to say, it's always exciting as an agency when you see the campaigns that you're working on be a success and be a success for your client because I mean that is ultimately a huge KPI for us. I think it's super exciting to see when our films have been on morning news in Canada but they've also been played in the US because just seeing how many eyeballs are on this and hearing the message is beautiful. We also found out that the campaigns have been used in schools in Canada to talk about acceptance and diversity. So being able to know that kids that are in middle middle school who are, that's kind of usually the age where you start questioning your identity, you, you start questioning about how you look, there's insecurities, that they can potentially see a film where they can see somebody that looks like them or resonates with them is also beautiful. But I also think it just speaks to what consumers are ultimately looking for too. I think consumers want to know where brands stand on subjects. I think especially with Gen Z and how they are buying and they're coming into purchasing power more and more there is a question of like, what do you stand for as a brand? And do you actually show it and show it in a real way, not just with a pride flag that gets put on around pride week in your given country? I think there is a higher and higher demand for companies to show through actions, through how they cast, through their commercials, 
what they believe in. And I think the high engagement, and I mean, I remember that there was also numbers on people's willingness to kind of continue to explore Pantene went up because I think it also kind of showed people what Pantene stands for as a brand and what they believe in. And people want to use their purchasing power with brands that echo what they believe in as well. And so I think that's also super, super exciting to continue to see. I think like when you look at the actual results of the of that, where you actually see it being used outside of the context of just an ad buy or a YouTube video or an Instagram reel, but being used in classrooms, being used outside of that initial context to show people what diversity looks like, that also looks like a huge win for us as well. For me, what is almost most rewarding is you know, reading all the comments on social media, reading the emails that comes into our consumer hotline of people simply saying that, you know, thank you for showing my reality for once. You know, thank you for making me feel seen, for making me feel heard. Thank you for sharing these stories. Reading those kind of comments, you know, just brings kind of a sense of, you know, again, another sense of pride and smile to to almost it warms your heart. And that's one of the most rewarding things with, with these campaigns, to just see the reactions and, and read and feel that what you're doing is actually having a difference for the community. And the reality is that this is an important issue and people are interested and especially it coming from Pantene and Pantene being brave and bold enough to talk about this. I mean, if we talk from a very traditional brand success point of view, the first round of Hair Has No Gender had over 500 media, like articles written about it. And that came from top publications, Vogue, Vanity Fair, Dazed, places where there is a very high desirability to be in. And we're talking about not just a little mention, but sometimes it's one or two page full articles. And that also shows that when you do things authentically as a brand, when you do things with the intention and do it with the right follow through and with the right people, you will also be rewarded as a brand with those types of mentions. And then that's what you want from a (laughs) very typical brand perspective. But I think it is important to note that you will be rewarded when you put in the time and the effort and the patience into nurturing a creative idea and a creative action that is based in authenticity. A very good place to end the podcast. Benedette, Helen, thank you so much for joining me today. A great conversation and hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.